Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to get a couple of pieces of business out of the way. Number one, I sell books. You can find my books at dadstartingover.com slash books. The books include my bestseller, The Dead Bedroom Fix. My second book is called Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce. And my third and final book is called Red Flags. You can buy these all directly from my website and download directly from my website, or you can go to any of the major retailers. Second piece of business is that I have a members-only part of my website called the DSO Fraternity. With the DSO Fraternity, you have access to all of my books in PDF and audio format. You also get access to members-only articles and audio, and you are free to discuss those articles with fellow members on the website. And we also have DSO Fraternity live meetings via Zoom. In these live meetings, you are free to share your story and listen to advice from others. And on occasion, we will have a special guest, such as author Dr. Robert Glover of No More Mr. Nice Guy. So please check out the DSO Fraternity at dadstartingover.com join. Thank you so much, and on to the episode. For... Former readers know Mr. Nice Guy. They found my website. They're traumatized. They're going through all of the steps that you have seen through your marriage counseling and so forth in your Nice Guy groups again and again and again. And they always ask me the question that honestly I don't have the answer to other than saying, you'll just know. And that question is, when do I know that I'm ready to jump on the horse again and go looking for the next Mrs. Wright? <laughs> You're right. I, I asked that same question. Um, and you're right. You do get a sense of it uh, and it comes and you can't really predict it. But for me, when I got out of my marriage, when I got out of my second marriage, um, it meant I'd been married about a total of 25 years to my first two wives. Wow. And uh, when I got out of my second marriage, it, it had had a lot of struggles to it. I stayed way too long. And when I got out, uh, I, I was tired. I was, I was just tired of the heavy lifting. You know, I was just tired of, I didn't, I didn't want to listen to another woman talk about her problems. You know, I just, I just had no interest. And so I, uh, my book was about to come out. I dove into my work. Um, and I, I'd say for six months after moving out with my second wife, I didn't even want to talk to women. It just had no appeal to me whatsoever. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like I noticed maybe a woman checking me out. And I think, oh, that woman's checking me out. And I go, oh. I'm going to have to talk to her. I'm not interested. <laughs> I was just really just, just worn out. And then, um, yeah. and, and I wasn't looking for, okay, when's the right time. I just kind of got busy taking care of what I needed. My, my son and stepson were seniors in high school. You know, I, I wanted to spend as much time as I could with them. And so I just took care of business. And then um, uh, probably about six months, eight months after we split, I went on my book tour for the launch of No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I, get, I know all your guys are not going to go on a book tour, so this, their stories will be different. But while on the book tour, um, I just happened to start up a conversation with a woman uh, in a bar at happy hour in, in one city. And, um, and, and we clicked, and uh, we ended up having sex together. And then in another city, uh, again, having dinner in a bar, 
I talked to another woman and we exchanged information. And about a month later, I started dating her for, we started dating about, we were about two or three months, maybe long distance and would see each other about once a month. Um, and that kind of made me realize, okay, okay, I, 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 I'm ready. And then, you know, then I thought, okay, I'm going to get online. I'm going to start trying online dating. I'm going to start just being more conscious about this whole dating process. So um, I had no idea how long that was going to be. But for me, it was about six to eight months after I split um, yeah. until kind of just a situation presented itself. And I walked through that door. And I, and I expect that's probably true for a lot of guys. And I, actually, I would be a little bit concerned about guys that got out of a, a relationship and especially one that maybe was a little bit traumatic, the, the split, the breakup, and just like immediately wanted to dive into another relationship. Um, yeah. I tell guys, give, you, give yourself some time. You know, six months isn't that long, for example. For six months, just kind of, you know, go, go work on you, take care of business, maybe go get a coach or a therapist, you know, join a men's group, do, do something to start making you a priority um, w without trying to, seek out or please the feminine and kind of, kind of just get, get your nerves settled and, and then, and maybe even get, spend a little time thinking about what is it that you want as you move forward? What do you want? And, um, I know when I got out of my second marriage, I thought, man, you know, if I'm going to have anything different, I'm going to have to work at becoming a better picker and I'm going to have to work at being a better ender. So I made a very conscious process to actually learn how to date with the idea of learning how to choose good women and also with the idea of learning how, how, how to end things quickly. If, if this was not a woman that I, you know, had long-term interest in. I mentioned that as well. And I, I call the men, the man that you want to become the um, non-needy mentally healthy man. And yeah. the non-needy mentally healthy man is not afraid to pull the ripcord and say, you know, I appreciate your time, sweetie. This has been great, but I just don't think this is going to work out. And there were a lot of men that, that, oh boy, that is a very high tension, high anxiety thing to think of, to say, I'm going to play the part of the bad guy. And, and, and in essence, telling the person across from you, there's something not quite right about you, and I don't want to explore this any further. That's a tough thing for a lot of guys to do. Well, it is. And, and, I, and, it, and it's always been for me. I think, I think for most men, breaking up, being a good ender is, is really challenging. I think for a number of reasons. One, Maybe it's partly our evolutionary heritage that we're providers and protectors by nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the others socially, you know, you're not supposed to do anything that might ever upset a woman and sometimes breaking up with them upsets them. Um, and then a lot of guys are nice guys and they just don't, you know, ever want, want to be that bad guy. But for me, one of the, the, the best experiences I had, I mentioned the woman that I met in that second city and we dated for about two or three months. And I remember um, I went down to visit her and probably about the third time we spent a weekend together. And it was, you know, very mediocre weekend. I, you know, I think she had high expectations. You know, I, I wasn't feeling a lot. I think she could read it. And by the time I got back home, got cut off the airplane, I had an email that she said, hey, you know, we both know that, that, you know, this isn't going any further, that, you know, we're not the best match, so I'll go ahead and end it now. And the fir at first part of me wanted to say, wait a minute, why are you ending it? And I thought, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm glad she did, actually. And, <laughs> and, and then I thought, I'm not devastated. And I thought, okay, maybe if I can practice ending in a very clear, timely manner as well, the women won't be devastated either. And mm -hmm. the truth is they never were. And I broke up with a lot of women. I, I tell guys, when guys say, well, you know, cause I teach men to date and, and, and I started after I got good at dating, actually st guys started saying, teach us. So, um, you know, I, guys say, well, you know, I, I, I go on a lot of one and done coffee dates, you know, what's wrong. And I go, nothing's wrong. That's right. You, yes. you know, <laughs> most, most, most dates should not last more than one date. That's all. That's the whole purpose. Of that first date is to find out: is she a cool enough chick? Is she interesting enough? Do you want to actually like see her again? And you know, by the second or third date, you're not going to know her all that well, but you at least should be able to start observing what is her nature and how does she fit into your life. Now, hopefully, during that time, you're not having sex. Um, I mean, I, I have no issue with you know one night stands or having sex with someone the first day you meet them, but don't pretend that that's a good foundation for a long-term relationship. It was sex. 
and the woman knows it and you know it. So go slow with that. I, I always tell guys, go as, as slowly as possible to find out as quickly as possible what's the woman's nature. And then you be the decider and you be a good ender if this woman is not somebody that you can't see yourself like spending the rest of your life with. Mm -hmm. And I'd say what sets up a lot of men for failure from the very beginning of the whole dating process is they go into it with the mindset of, I'm, I'm trying to find my one real love. Yeah. But which means when I'm sitting across from a woman and there are more red flags than a Chinese <laughs> parade, they say, you know, but maybe that's not so bad because I really like this other part of her. Maybe that glaringly bad thing is not so glaringly bad because I really like this other thing of her because I'm kind of desperate to find Mrs. Wright and I can't just throw away this one who actually gives me attention. She makes me feel really good right now. And they hang on, they hang on, they hang on. Yeah. And it's always disastrous. Yeah, you know, I've been saying for a while that of having, you know, been a marriage counselor for over 30 years and then teaching men to date and being married myself um, and knowing this from personal experience is the three things that most men base their long-term relationship decision on. Three things. Number one, she isn't too bad looking, but, <laughs> but, but usually not too good looking either because that scares us. Mm -hmm. She's not too bad looking. She seems to be showing interest in us. And at some point she wants to have sex with us <laughs> or she agrees to have sex with us. And that's kind of like, okay, that's it. You know, man, I, I found the one. And yeah, that, that one-itis or that, you know, uh, oh, I, I need someone to complete me. Um, you know, in, in, my, in my approach to dating, I, I approach dating, I tell guys, dating is not an attempt to get a woman to like you. Dating is, is actually a process of, of you growing up and clearing out all of your self-limiting beliefs and, and growing as a man, because you know, no woman's ever going to give us what our male brain thinks she is. And that whole process of trying to get a woman to like you or try to get her to have sex with you just sets up a really bad differential because she's now the decider. She has all the power. She's the alpha. You're the beta. You're the beta. You're the pleaser. And, and even if that leads to something, that's going to be the foundation for that relationship is you trying to figure out how to make her happy, keep her liking you and keep her from leaving you. And, and that's, that's not a great way to approach it. No, very well put. And in fact, in your new book, which I have read, uh, dating essentials, you talk about taking baby steps, basically not jumping into the deep end of the pool right off the bat. And it's something I always tell guys as well. There was a guy recently on my Facebook page who talks about, he has a lot of social anxiety. He had a, a marriage that ended with the wife cheating and his solution was just to jump right into the deep end of the pool. And he went to a singles mixer. It was put on solely for the purpose of getting people to meet each other, to eventually date kind of like a speed dating all in one. Sure. Mixer. sure. And he went in and just stared at his feet the whole time and was nervous as hell. And uh, this isn't for me and left and he's done. He goes, I, I just don't think this whole dating thing is for me. <laughs> the end. I said, well, and you talk about you have to do the little baby steps at first of these little approaching random people where there's no there's no implied re reciprocation here. You're not going up to a woman to date. You're just going up to a random stranger and saying, I, I like your shoes. Um, yeah, I call it testing for interest. And, and, it, and I, one of the things, you know, that I say in all my dating material, my, I'm really not teaching men to date. I'm actually helping men raise their social and emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And in the, pro, in the aspect of raising their social and emotional intelligence, they become much more attractive. And then dating actually gets easy because then you're, you're choosing from lots of women that are showing you signals of interest and you're walking through open doors rather than pounding on closed doors or avoiding the doors altogether because you have so much anxiety. So yeah, that testing for interest really does involve, and, you know, I say it in, in all, all of my Dating Essentials for Men podcasts, get out of the house, expand your route, linger in public, talk to the people you meet, test for interest, and walk through the open doors. And, and it's not any more complicated than that. And I'm sure you've seen this. A lot of guys, when they get out there dating after having not done it for a long time, they make it really complicated. It's like, well, I, I got to go to a, you know, a pickup boot camp or I, I got to go, you know, mm -hmm. to a hot club and, and, and approach the hottest women in the club and try to get their numbers. And like, you know, 
that's way too difficult. That, that's, that, that's shit that even the pros have to really work at. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, don't make it difficult. Cause like that guy you talk about, if you make it way too difficult, the first bad experience you have, you know, the first time a woman has low interest or you get rejected or you feel foolish, you think, well, I'm never doing that again. And, and then you just, you know, you hold up at home, watching TV, surfing the internet, looking at porn, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and reading red pill shit and resenting women. So, you know, it doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you do touch on, on the next book about resisting the whole notion of, uh, of resenting women and painting them with a very negative, toxic paintbrush. I, I see that a lot with my readers where it's, well, obviously all women are whores and they, you know, as if they're saying the sky is blue, you know, moving on to the next <laughs> second. Yeah, yeah, we all, we all know this to be true. And, and, you know, even like I, I put a, I post uh, in my weekly dating essentials for my newsletter, I've got, uh, it's a Q&A, so guys can ask me questions. And one guy asked me about hypergamy. He says, you know, I, re I read this a lot online. You know, all women are hypergamous. Um, and I said, you know, that, that's just a fancy term that internet writers have applied to women to justify their resentment, that all women are looking to trade up. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the basic premise of my blog was, look around, women settle for losers all the time. And, and, and I say that most women don't, don't have the intelligence, the good looks, and the Machiavellian cunning to, to be constantly trading up. Most just, that's not how they're wired. Uh, maybe there's a few gold diggers out there, but anytime we say all women are whores, all women are gold diggers, all women just want blah, 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 you know, that's just, that's just projecting our experience with a woman or two out onto all women. And, and the truth is, really what's going on, as you said, a lot of times these guys, you know, and, and probably most of us can relate to this. Most of us just have some social anxiety. We never really learned how to interact with women well. When we do it, we either do it clumsily, anxiously, or not at all. And then when we don't have dating success, we blame the women. And mm -hmm. that just, that doesn't serve us. And I, and I promise you, if you're walking around trying to date, feeling resentful and bitter towards women, you're going to radiate that shit and women are going to pick it up and you, you're going to be radioactive. They're not going to want anything to do with you. Well, absolutely. Or the people that you do attract are going to be extremely toxic in nature. There you go. That's the other side of that coin. You, yeah. go, you are going to attract what you believe to be true. And I, I don't think there's any magical law of attraction built into that. It's just true. You are going to attract what you believe to be true. And I think that a big genesis of a lot of this, quote, red pill, angry male sentiment out there is that uh, a lot of men, very early age, have been taught to put women on a pedestal. Sure. And when they discover, I always joke that I've read through some of the red pill things and I've been accused of being that. So I had to look and see, well, what do they mean? What is this? And basically the red pill is, holy crap, you mean women are assholes too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not always nice too. They, they're insecure and, and yes. you know, they, they got issues too. Yes, they have issues too. There can be sociopathic women. There can be narcissistic women. There can be hypersexual women, just like men can be all of these things. But men just their whole life, they can't believe that they're mother, aunt, wife, girlfriend is capable of doing these bad things. And sure enough, when you dig into their story, well, tell me how the relationship started and you can just count the red flags as you go along the story. But the man just jumped and looked right over them. Well, she did have two kids by two different men when we met. Okay, that's not a horrible thing necessarily, but not a great thing, go on. Well, and she was an alcoholic recovering. Okay, that's not a great thing. <laughs> and he just builds and builds this awful resume but man, I just can't believe it ended so, ended so horribly. Well, <laughs> of course it did. Everyone else in your world saw it, I'm sure. Yeah, everybody else saw it. And, and here's the one that, that like most men ignore, and I've ignored it as well. That's why I know about it. Um, mm -hmm. Is a woman that is bitter about a past relationship or past relationships. Like I, every time I've gotten with a woman and she, you know, kept, you know, harping on her stories about her ex, you know, what a jerk he was, what an ass he was, how he did this, how he treated her that way. And especially if they kind of that way about more than one man in their past. Mm -hmm. Anytime I got far enough in with these women that, and like I said, I, I tend to be attracted to that kind of woman. I'm a fixer by nature. Yeah. I, I actually begin to have empathy 
for the man that they used to be with, thinking maybe he wasn't such a jerk. Maybe there's two things going on. Maybe she drove him fucking crazy and, and he didn't handle it well. And or maybe that's just her. Every, every man is a jerk. And I'm going to be in that category sometime soon. So just like, you know, I would tell women, you know, stay away from a man that's just packing around a bunch of negative stuff about women and about his ex. I tell men the same thing. If a woman is packing around negative stuff about men in general or about any ex, stay away from that because you're just going to be the next story that she's going to be telling the next guy because you'll be one of those children. She will turn you into one of those jerks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for a lot of these men, when you say she will turn you into, um, how many men do we know in these very vulnerable states of mind and they get into a relationship with a woman and she absolutely dictates every facet of his emotionality. He's depressed because she's depressed. He's happy because she's having a great day and so on yeah, and so forth. Exactly. And, and, you know, and probably most of you, you know, your followers really can relate to that. And again, I'm the same way. It's kind of like, you know, you know, what they say, happy wife, happy life that, okay, if I can just get her happy, I can be happy. And, yes. and as you know, that, that is so reverse. We, we've got to get out and fill our own bucket up, make ourselves happy. That makes us less needy. It makes us less dependent on any one person. And it makes us more attractive to women. And it makes us less dependent on trying to manage a woman's mood or happiness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so many of us become, in one facet or another, the child in a relationship when we become, get in a relationship with a woman. She becomes our surrogate mother. And you had a, a, a concept in your book you called uh, spending too much time in the nursery. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even, even going back to, to uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, where I talk about being monogamous to mom, being monogamous to our mother, where, you know, our mother's, you know, like our mother's always our first love object. And, and if we grew up in a relatively healthy family system, mother's not going to be hooking up emotional hose to us and using us to get her needs met. Dad will be available to help initiate us into to, uh, you know, masculine adulthood. But for a lot of guys, including me, that didn't happen. So, so that we kind of grew up with, with this, this model around women that, you know, oh, you know, I've, I've got to make her happy. I've got to keep her in a good mood. I, I, I've got to please her. And um, all that does is, is number one, you're, you're, you're attracting women that, that kind of need that all the time. And you're training them that, that that is the way that you'll always be. And again, this is where I tell guys, we got to get out and get connected with men. And, and that's part of getting out of the nursery because I see it with so many men, especially younger men who grown up with the internet and kind of like they, they just followed the path of least resistance in life. So they spend a lot of time, you know, they, they have, they have women friends that, you know, they're, that they're in the friend zone with, there's no sexual polarity. They've repressed their sexuality. They get it, all their sexual needs met through porn on the internet. They watch a lot of TV, um, you know, the surf in the internet, whatever. And, and they never grow up. And so they're in that nursery, you know, seeking female validation while never doing anything that really challenges them. And any kind of real challenge scares them. And, you know, I, and I'm, I'm in a men's program and, and there's like 50 guys in the program of all ages and types. And what I see, you know, with a lot of the younger men, it's like they're, they're completely lost in life. And may, maybe like they're, they're fit and they're in good shape but it's like, they're like little boys seeking the approval of their mothers. And, yeah. and that's not attractive to women and whatever women you do attract, I promise you the women will typically be fairly controlling and dominant. And, and the, and the, the, the little boy still in the nursery is still trying to figure out how to please a woman who probably can't be pleased. Um, mm. But we just think if we figure it out and try harder, because she says we can make her happy if we just would do this right or do that <laughs> right or stop doing that, then she would be happy. Yes. One of the grand ironies of being in a relationship with a woman in general is that if you allow her to dictate your behavior and you start swinging your pendulum over in that direction, invariably you become less attractive to her. Yep. And, and, you know, and again, a lot of guys will even tell me, hey, when I first met a woman, you know, I set the tone, I led, you know, I created polarity. But then once we started dating each other and she became my girlfriend, I slipped back into the whole Mr. Nice Guy mode. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's because you've got an investment, right? You, 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 you want her to stay your girlfriend. You want her to keep wanting to sleep with you. And so we, then we go into that pleasing mode. And yes, it has the very opposite effect. One, the, the, the book I'm working on now is working title is Positive Emotional Tension. And, and the, basic, the basic message is women have to experience emotional tension all the time to experience attraction towards a man, sexual arousal, and to stay attached to him over time. But unfortunately, we men don't like emotional tension, especially in relationships. We want everything calm and smooth and easy and predictable. And so we don't create emotional tension for the woman by pleasing and playing it safe. And any emotional tension the woman might create, we, we try to you know kill that, put it, you know, get that, get that under control as quickly as possible. And then we can't understand why the woman loses sexual interest in us and then maybe loses complete interest in us. Um, we, we weren't doing anything to, to give to that woman what she needed to feel attracted and aroused by us. Mm-hmm. I always call it the, the little bit of early relationship anxiety that women seem to just really eat up the, well, what does he think about me? Does he really like me? What's he doing now? Is he, is he seeing that girl? And it, while we try to squash this as men because we don't like that, we, we like the comfort, we like the tranquility, we like the, the emptiness that everything's cool, the bills are paid, there's the wife. So yeah. we naturally try to squash that uncertainty. No, 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 sweetie. I love you. I'm only with you. Um, I'm predictable. Yeah. I'm safe. I'll take care of all your problems. And, yeah. That, that kills it. Yeah, I used to tell women when we were dating, I dating a woman and she, you know, brought up that, well, what are we conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was not ready to get all the way in with that woman in terms of, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to commit, we're going to, you know, see if this thing, you know, it's got wheels to be a decent relationship. If I wasn't ready, I'd tell them, hey, until we have a conversation that you and I are seeing each other exclusively, you need to assume I'm seeing other people. Mm-hmm. And if they would say, well, are you, even if I wasn't, I would say, you need to assume that I am until we have a conversation otherwise. And I, like, like you say, I used to think that, you know, oh, you know, me doing anything that might upset the woman is going to kill her interest in me. No, the opposite is true. Everything you do to try to make the woman happy kills her interest in you. Exactly. Exactly. And I think this is why in big part you see uh, so many men report to me, I caught my wife in an affair and well, how did you catch her? Well, her behavior changed dramatically. She Mm -hmm. all of a sudden decided to, she started dressing younger, acting younger, acting all, hanging out with a different group. Uh, She lost 50 pounds. And I said, well, it sounds like she was in the early stages of the mating game. She's trying to attract or hold on to somebody she's, she's found that, you know, attractive because that's what you do when you're, when you're dating someone at first, I want to look my best. I want to act my most attractive. And for women, that's, I want to look as young and vibrant and, and happy as possible because that's, that's what will keep this new guy I have interest in hanging around. Mm-hmm. That's what these guys see. They're seeing the early mating game process right in front of them. And they're, they think she's, quote, gone crazy. Like, no, she's in love. <laughs> and, and, she, and she is feeling that emotional tension with, oh, a guy, yeah. with a guy that she can't completely get all in with and he can't completely get in all with her. That's why affairs create so much emotional tension. Oh, there's, absolutely. There's, there's that, um, just that, that, that longing, that uncertainty, that expectation, which are really, really powerful tools for creating emotional tension. But affairs have that built into them. It's just that constant uncertainty. When am I going to see him again? When am I going to get a message? When am I going to see her again? Whichever way this goes. And it builds shitloads of emotional tension into a relationship. And it's why most relationships that begin as an affair go south really quickly once the couple can actually get together. So with the... um what a lot of men try to do is when they catch their wife in the affair and they see is she's so embroiled in all this chaos of the, of the moment and she's so in love and so forth, the man will try to out-rationalize that. Well, let me, let me sit down with her and build the case for why this is stupid what she's doing. Look, we have the three kids. We got the house. We've been together for 25 years. Da, da, da. And he said, I can't believe that she just doesn't see any of this. And I've laid it all out for her. I've even had men say they've written this out for the wife, mm-hmm. you know, Top 10 reasons why what you're doing is stupid and throwing our marriage away. And I, and I always tell them, you are absolutely no match for those feelings she's having right now. Yeah. And, and it, it is a connection to her. It's, yeah, go ahead. It is, well, okay. It, it, if, if the guys want to know what to do different, 
Um, and, and there's no answer. You know, it, we guys would think, well, there should be an answer, right? There's, there's a way to do this right. And we'll get, we'll get. Um, basically, it's as simple as this. Okay, I know you're seeing somebody else. I mean, don't play the game of asking them questions. Where'd you go? What'd you do? If you know they're seeing somebody else, just say, I know you're seeing somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, and just say, you know, I want a woman who wants to be with me. Do you want to be with me? Well, no. Yes or no. Do you want to be with me? Well, if you want to be with me, you have a choice. Stop it with that person, and we get all in, and we go to work on what's wrong here, or we're done now. Mm -hmm. And that brings such a backbone, such a, you know, a liveness to, to that conversation that she will be immediately turned on. Now, I'm not saying don't go do this thinking, well, here's how I'll manipulate the situation. But, you know, anything you do to start trying to please her, get her, she's emotionally killing you. You cannot do anything right from here on out. As soon as she's interested in somebody else, everything you do is going to be wrong. Even if you say, you either get all the way in with me now and we go to work on it, or you leave now. She'll make that wrong as well. But it will still turn her on and create some emotional tension that all of a sudden will make that other guy look a lot less attractive. Hmm. And have you seen... In your experience working with all of your clients, how often have you seen uh, a man be able to, or a man and woman together, be able to turn around the female-driven infidelity and go back to working on the marriage? Does that happen often in your experience? Here's my experience. I actually specialized in that with couples wow. for, for a number of years in, in my practice. I was a marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I, I actually turned that into a specialty and put a yellow page ad, you know, healing after infidelity. Um, mm. And and I worked a lot with it. And what I found out is there's usually two situations, two types of situations. One is you have a serial cheater. This could be a man or a woman where, mm. you know, for whatever reason, emotionally, physically, sexually, they're just not wired to be monogamous. Actually, I think none of us are. But there's some people that that just they're going to serially cheat. It's it's their nature, and um and that's not going to change um, unless they unless they have some radical reason that they they got it they got to quit doing that. But the most most situations, the cheating is because you know the people in the relationship just got fucking bored with each other. You yeah. know they quit treating each other well. They quit creating emotional tension. They quit having an interesting life together. And it's not that the person who cheated often went out looking for it. It often finds them. And I tell guys, especially if you're not creating emotional tension for a woman and you're in a long-term relationship, she'll go through a few stages. One is that she'll, she'll, she'll create a lot of emotional tension, but it's often negative. You know, mm -hmm. she'll start fights. She'll nag, she'll criticize, she'll complain. She'll, you know, flirt with your best friend. She'll do things trying to create tension to get you to connect with her. That's what it's about. Then if, if that doesn't work over a period of time, they tend to go where they, they go get their needs for emotional attention met through other things. It can be the kids. It can be work. It can be their friends. Many women then just kind of morph into, they just eat, spend money, go shopping, you know, yes. what, whatever to try to get some momentary buzz because mm -hmm. nothing does it. And then they're like, they're like a forest that hasn't been rained on, you know, in, in a few years and hasn't had a good fire. And, you know, in many years and somebody pays a little attention and it truly is just like a, you know, spark in a tender dry forest. They're on fire. It just feels amazing. It feels great. They can't get enough of it. That's how most affairs begin. It's usually not because most people are the serial cheaters. There are enough of those people out there, men and women, but mostly it's just because, you know, it's gone dry and, and then something comes along. Now I've found that, when people did come into my office, if there was enough love between them, maybe enough reasons to stay together, and the person who was cheating was willing to come clean, be honest, cut off that, you know, that source of their drug, you know, of, of the affair, um, and everybody was willing to get real with each other, I, I saw a lot of relationships become deeper, more loving, and more vibrant than they had ever been before. And so an affair can wake things up. Um, I'm not suggesting that it's a way to, do, to wake things up. But like I said, usually it's not a person going to look for, you know, more sex. If something just finds them and, and they're just so primed for it. So, yes, I've seen, I've seen it get better. 
Um, but the, the person who's had the affair has got to get real and get honest. And the person on the other side um, usually has to grow a backbone and, and start showing some leadership in the relationship. And that second part, the latter, they're showing the leadership in the relationship. I have yet to see that with any of my readers who have approached me. They've always taken the, the route of saying, I'm going to try out nice this situation, fix it by, she always said she wanted more gifts. Here's more gifts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she always wanted this, so here's this. She always wanted that, so here's that. And so in other words, he's just rewarding the horrible behavior. That's yeah, exactly. Just rewarding the bad behavior. And that's why I said, I mean, there's no magic fix to this, but you know, I've been cheated on before. Not, not a lot. It's not the pattern I tend to attract, um, but I've cheated. So I, I do know the other side of it. And what, what my experience is, is again, if most of it is just due to, you know, the lack of tension or if it's due to a person who can't be faithful, you know, okay, I want to know the difference. And, you know, for example, most of the women I've been with in, in you know, in the last 15 years, including my present wife, you know, said to me, how come you never get jealous? And I'll go, well, one, you've never given me reason to be jealous. If you give me reason, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know I'm not happy. And I say, but bottom line is, if you want to be with me, great. I want to be with you. If you don't want to be with me, if you want to be with someone else, great. Get the hell out. I'm not, I'm not, well, that's not worth getting jealous about. If you want the attention of another man, wonderful. Just tell me. You want the attention of this other guy. I'll let you go. I'm not going to fight with you about it. I'm not going to try to, you know, get you to come back. I want to be with a woman who wants to be with me. And if that's you, great. I got nothing to be jealous about. So that's number one for me. Um, I want to be the woman who wants to be with me. If she don't want to be with me, you know, adios. See you later. I, you know, I've got no interest in that. So I have no reason to get jealous. Now, if there's, you know, this piece that, you know, where, you know, my woman is gotten pulled into a situation that, you know, like I said, she wasn't looking for it, but yet something got her attention. Uh, that's why I'm going to lay down the law. Yeah. You know, you either get all in with me or you get all, all out. I'll, I'll, I'll help you back. You know, so you decide right now, tonight, you're all in or you're all out. That again, like I said, that again, creates such an emotional tension and, and it doesn't let her play her little fantasy in her head games, especially, well, I can have both. I can get away with this, blah, 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 blah. No, you get in or you get out. And my experience is a man shows up with that kind of backbone. That's going to get a woman's attention. She's going to go, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, maybe I do need to give him another chance. But yeah, like you said, the pleasing them and trying to make them happy or trying to convince them to quit having an affair. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing with that response is you're just portraying this essence of abundance. You, you are an ancillary to my life. You are not the, without you, I'm not going to curl up in a ball and die. Yeah. So jump on and get on this ride of my life or not. That's totally up to you. If not, Hey, no, no hard feelings. See you later. See you later. Move on. Yeah. I, I call it, I, I reference that, you know, for guys creating their great cake of a life. And if you have a great cake of a life, good guy friends, pursuing your passions, um, working out regularly, leaning into challenge, giving your gift to the world, that's your great cake. And at best, a woman is the icing on top. And you can have a great cake without icing, but I promise you, as soon as you make a woman your cake, or even make her one of the key ingredients of your cake, of your overall happiness and well-being in life, um, you're going to be miserable. Make your cake, invite a great woman to be the icing on top. If you have to go without icing for a while, that's okay. You'll still have a great cake and you'll still be amazingly magnetically attractive to women because they love a man with a great cake. Mm -hmm. Very good. I like it. <laughs> and uh, a lot of men, I always tell men, the women ain't going anywhere. It's okay to give them a break for a while. You don't have the, as a man, the biological clock ticking. And I find a lot of men are taking their mating slash dating cues from women who in fact do have a, hey, I'm 35 years old. I don't have a man right now. I've been dreaming of having a baby and a, and a man since I've been you know, 12 years old. I'm, I'm almost past my prime. Let's get to this. And I've had guys tell me like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> it's time for me to find a woman. So, you just got divorced a month ago. Give it time. And what's the <laughs> rush? <laughs> there's, there's no biological clock. You're fine. 
Yeah, I, I, I've got a friend um, who is 67, and he's, he's dating a 25-year-old. Wow. Nice. And um well yeah, that's every guy thinks that nice. Oh, I I've met her. Uh, she's a nice person. Um mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'll be together very long. Um the, the age difference really is too significant for and it is more than just that. But anyway, um I remember asking him, I said, you know, oh well, does she want kids? And he goes, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not gonna even ask her. You know, you know, but by by the time she, you know, her clock's ticking that she may want kids, I'll probably be dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I actually liked it, that attitude. That why should he like do something like to give in to, to her clock or her needs at his age? And at sixty-seven, he's not thinking. Oh, I got and and he's never been married. He's never had kids. But he's not thinking. I'm sixty-seven. I better get out there and get married and have kids. He's going. No, you know, I, he, he has a great cake. You know, he's, he's got a lot of, he's, he lives an amazing life. That's why he's attracted to 25-year-olds. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's in no hurry to make anything happen. And I know if, it, it, you know, if he gets bored with this one or it doesn't work out, you know, next time I drop in to see him, you know, she'll probably be gone. He doesn't hold on to them too long either if mm-hmm. it's not working out well. He, he doesn't need it for his ego. Very good. And lastly, you touched on the, <clears throat> excuse me, you touched on just, just a few minutes ago about uh, monogamy and saying uh, you're not quite sure that's our natural state as human beings to begin with. Yeah, I flipped there, that in there. there. There is a growing trend of open marriages, which if you do, you know, do a quick Google search, there's CNN is covering it, New York Times, they're having headlines all about the rise in open marriages and how interesting it is that it is driven by women. They are way more likely to say, honey, have you ever thought about sleeping around with others than a man is to bring it up? And this goes right back to your case of, or your point of saying, there's no more tension in the relationship. And my point is always, boy, there's no way to introduce that sexy tension back into a relationship more than having sex with a new person. So I, I thought it was interesting you brought that up because... What an interesting phenomenon we have going on. You know, open marriages aren't new, but they're being thrust forth as a legitimate uh, alternative to monogamy right now, as uh, mainstream-wise. And, and yeah, and I think the thing you're you're, you're pointing out is that it, apparently, at least the the spin that media is putting on it is this is being initiated by women. Which you know, this goes down a, a whole nother road, which I'm actually going down it, like I said, in the next book I'm working on, on emotional tension. But so, so let me throw out my, my basic premise. I, I think because of our evolutionary wiring, we're not wired for monogamy. Pair bonded relationships have only existed less than 10,000 years in human existence. We've been, we've been communal um, sexually and otherwise for probably a million and a half, two million years, where the tribe met all the needs of all the people. That meant Everybody had sex with everybody. Everybody raised the kids. Everybody did whatever was needed to contribute to the well-being of everybody else. Now, in this process, which is, to me, really interesting because it goes against how most men think, something about our evolutionary process wired women to be what I call sexual Ferraris. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're high-energy, highly-tuned sexual machines. Now, men go, what? What are you talking about? But the... If you look at it, women are wired to have more sex more often with more partners and enjoy it more than men are. And I, I, I can prove that easily. Um, women are, I think, one of only two or three mammals that, that like fuck for fun, that, that, that have sex out of season when they're not in estrus. Women, human women have sex just for the fun of it. And... Whereas the average guy has one, maybe two places on his body that can trigger orgasm. I've known women that had four or five places. I've known women, you could lick their nipples and come, or they could think about sex and come. They're, they're highly wired machines. But we've got this idea that, you know, culturally, oh, women aren't that interested in sex. They're very choosy. They're very this or very that. And I've said, well, okay. I think men have made sex costly for women in terms of how, how we structured our, the patriarchy for 10,000 years. And I'm not going to go off on the whole patriarchy thing because a lot of that's just noise anyway. But mm-hmm. men were still trying to provide and protect for women. But yeah, I think we were trying to, to guard 
property. So if women were not interested in sex, why did we invent chastity belts? Why did we put them in burkas? Why did we put scarlet letters on their foreheads? Why did they, why did we stone them for having sex? Why does most religions preach against, you know, women's sexual? If women did not like sex and didn't like to be fucked and fucked well, why do men work so hard to try to repress female sexuality? So it doesn't surprise me that it's women that might be leading the, this movement towards open marriages. But here's what I tell guys. You say, well, guys, well, I, I haven't had that experience with women. And I'll go, well, probably two things have happened. One, you've either picked really wounded women that don't like sex or, you know, whatever, they're closed off. And the other is, I tell guys, when it comes to sex, we men are basically sexual mopeds. We think sex is finding any handy hole to stick our dick in and ejaculating, and that's, that's good sex. That's good stuff. And if a sexual Ferrari has that kind of experience enough times with a guy, you think she's going to keep coming back for more of that? Mm -hmm. And so I teach men, and a lot of it goes back to this creating emotional tension. Men have to learn how to drive a sexual Ferrari. And if we don't learn how to drive that sexual Ferrari, they will go looking for something else because it's how they're wired. They are wired to be fucked off and then fucked well. And I don't mean that in dismissive way at all. It's just how women are wired by mother nature. And if a man is not having that experience with women, the man needs to take a look at what's going on on his end of things. Very good. He's just not pushing her buttons. I always say that, that once the women's buttons are pushed, they run laps around us men. And one of the examples of this is when a woman feels safe and free to express her sexuality, such as, good example is when she is with friends and uh, a, uh, what's the word, a bachelorette party and there's a yeah. male stripper. The male stripper's out there and everyone just kind of agrees we can all like, act crazy, right? Right? Yeah. We're all sexualized right now, right? Right? And the debauchery. Just sit down with a male stripper and talk to him and say, tell me your greatest stories and just prepare to be wowed. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that women like sex. Yes. Yeah, like, and so many men are just blown away by this. And instead of embracing female sexuality for what it is, of which there's nothing inherently bad about it, just like there's nothing inherently bad about our, quote, horny male nature, instead of embracing it and learning about it, so many men, especially young men, are looking at it as a very negative thing, almost as if there's a secret these women are holding from us all this time. <laughs> they like these horrible men and they like this and like that. We're exposing the truth. And a lot of men, their answer to exposing the quote truth is to completely avoid women altogether. And I see that a lot. And they pride themselves on that. No dates, no sex, no nothing for years. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I get, there's a whole movement out there, you know, men going their own way. And, and you know, I, I keep coming across more and more of the different manifestations of, of, of what the internet helps men not do basically, <laughs> basically <laughs> complain and feel done to and victimized and, and whine a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all about empowering men and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can see everybody, humans, men, women, more accurately without all of our judgments and projections, we can have more compassion, more empathy, and a hell of a lot more fun if we can let go of all of our negative projections and, um, and, and go find a woman or women who, who do want to play and have fun and have a good time with us and bless our lives as we bless theirs. But I promise you, you're not going to bless their lives by just giving them more goodies or you know, trying to be that nice guy that hides his sexual interest from them. They get bored with that. Very good. Very well said. So if somebody wanted to, after they read your book, the new book, which is, let me get the title here. Hold on a second. Which is, uh, dating essentials for men, the only dating guide you will ever need. Uh, they're done and they want to take it to the next level. Can they sign up with you for some coaching sessions? Is have you, are there for what for guys that for the single guys? Yeah. First check out the book. See if it's your cup of tea. I, I call it the unpickup guide to dating success. It really is, is about, as I said, creating a social and emotional intelligence that attracts women to you and then learning what to do from there. Right. And if, 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 it, if it clicks for you, I, I have what I call a dating essential for men bonus bundle. It's got 
you know, 25 plus hours of recorded Q&A with me. It's got a uh, dating essentials for men A to Z encyclopedia where I answer over 200 questions in, in, in the, the digital format. Um, it, it's got uh, a workbook with it. It's got monthly coaching group, set, group coaching sessions that are part of the bundle and a private Facebook group. So there's a lot of goodies all packed into that. So yeah, just have them go to Dating Essentials for Men. Uh, they can check out the books and ebook on, on Amazon right now. Uh, I just got a contract to do an audible version of it. So, um, and hopefully we'll have it in print soon. So Dating Essentials for Men is where they can find it all. Very cool. Very good. And it sounds like you have some other books in the works. Yeah, working well. My 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 intention is to write. I, I set a goal last year to write ten books in ten years. Wow. And dating essentials for men was one. The A to Z encyclopedia is the other. The next one I'm working on, as I said, I'm calling it right now, positive emotional tension. And then I've got a whiteboard right to my side here with a list of several more that hopefully I'll get written in the next ten years. Very good. And your uh, it is your first book, right? No more, Mister Nice Guy. No more, Mister Nice Guy is my first book. Dating essentials for men is is the second. And for those uh, not familiar with No More Mr. Nice Guy, really quick, you do have um, groups. Are they not scattered around the country that people can go meet in person with other men? Well, I've got, I've got several certified coaches and therapists that have, that have done training with me that a lot of them do groups. There's, there's online groups. Uh, yeah, they can just check out drglover.com. That's just D-R-G-L-O-V-E-R.com. And uh, you can find my workshops, my seminars. I have an online university with self-help courses, the certified coaches and therapists, consultation. So both drglover.com and datingessentialsformen.com. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. That, that's right at an hour. So I don't want to take your time, but uh, that was great. Thank you so much. Good. Glad, glad it was helpful. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, 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 I like your point of view. I like how you go about things. So that was a fun conversation. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, Discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team. Discounts on our video courses and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.